I began feeling nervous and self-conscious about not working. Instead of seeing friends again, I stopped taking their phone calls. Instead of playing with the kids, I took naps. Instead of going on dates with Elizabeth, I stayed home to watch episodes of Law and Order I had already seen. I'd stay in bed until ten or eleven in the morning, thinking about the moment I was fired and the people who had been responsible for firing me. I'd make a pot of coffee and drink cup after cup until I was so wired that I couldn't stay focused on reading the paper or watching the news. Not having work preoccupied me as much as work had, and I thought about it constantly. When I took out the garbage, waved to a neighbor, or walked Pip, our dog. Because I had never anticipated being in this position. I had given no thought to what I might do next in my life. The realization unnerved me, to the point that I avoided the possibility of any conversation that might lead to another person asking me about my plans. Elizabeth suggested that I spend a few days at Kripalu, a yoga retreat in the Berkshires. She said that I might be able to relax there and gather my thoughts. When I shrugged her off, she handed me the phone. On a rainy afternoon in late October, I set off from our home in upstate New York and drove north on the Taconic and east on Interstate 90 into western Massachusetts. Most of the leaves had changed color and fallen by then, and I strained through the rain and my windshield wipers to make out Exit 2, which would take me to Routes 7 and 20, and the winding road to the town of Lenox. Somehow I got there, and a little beyond, to the huge building that had once housed a Roman Catholic monastery. Most of the people wandering through Kripalu's lobby were in their early to mid-fifties and looked a lot like I suppose I did, stressed out and clueless. I registered at the desk and dropped my duffel bag off at the room I was sharing with three other middle-aged men. After a dinner of lentil soup, kale, and sweet potatoes, I had a choice of attending a movement class or a lecture on the Bhagavad Gita. Along with a dozen or so other people, I decided to spend my evening moving freeform to the rhythms of two drummers from the Caribbean. At first, I felt silly, flailing my arms back and forth like the Hindu goddess Durga. I felt even sillier when a man with a graying ponytail pulled me into a circle of other mainly middle-aged men and women. But gradually I started to relax and enjoy myself moving faster and faster over the hardwood floor in my bare feet. When our circle broke in two, we slithered around the room like a giant undulating snake. As the drumming reached its climax, we shed each other, one by one, and collapsed into a pile of sweat-soaked gigglers. Proud of the progress I was making toward becoming the chilled-out father my kids wanted me to be, I retired to my dorm room and fell fast asleep. The next morning I went to a 6 a.m. yoga class and had a breakfast of rolled oats, pumpkin seeds, and green tea. When I returned to the dorm room to shower, there was a note on my bed summoning me to the front office. An attractive young woman confided to me that two of my doormates had complained about my snoring, Kripalu's cardinal sin. She directed me to the snorers-only floor, Kripalu's Siberia. The rejection by my doormates felt as piercing and punitive as losing my job. Less than a month earlier, I had been an important man, with an office and a secretary. Now, I was just another snorer. 
I wasn't your typical garden-variety, nine-to-five-you-can-invite-him-over-for-a-drink snorer. I was a workaholic snorer, and it had taken a huge toll on my family. For years Elizabeth had been telling me, You're never there for me. And I wasn't. Even when I was home, I was thinking about work. Did I appreciate the fact that Elizabeth did eighty percent of the child-rearing, and even more of the chores? Of course not. I had too much work to do. Did I make even the smallest effort to lessen her load? Sometimes, but mainly because I wanted to get ahead of the curve so she would let me work in peace. The worst part of being so focused on my work was the relationship it kept me from having with my children. Benjamin said he was afraid to approach me, and his twin sister, Caroline, told the babysitter, Daddy never smiles. They were almost eleven and beginning to pull.